Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons from Sport and Beyond podcast. My name is Simon Mundy and can I just start by saying a massive thank you to all of you for downloading, for listening and for sharing recent episodes. I'm also really grateful to everyone who's taken the time to get in touch. It's amazing to read all the emails and messages from people saying what a positive impact my guests' nuggets have had on them. If you could rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, that would be really appreciated. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, in a nutshell, it's about using sports and a few other choice subjects to explore some of life's bigger questions. And this week's guest, the England rugby great and World Cup winner, Will Greenwood, has lessons aplenty to share. The theme of this episode is all about evolving, as we all tend to do throughout life to varying degrees. And Will is definitely someone who's really embraced that. It's something that really comes through in his new book, World Class, How to Lead, Learn and Grow Like a Champion. So here is England rugby legend, Will Greenwood. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Will Greenwood, how are you? I'm fab. I'm fab. I say it. Uh, I've just come back from a three-day fiftieth. So you're hanging? With, uh, no, no, <laughs> just fatigued. Fatigued. Uh, fatigued. University friends, uh, and then this morning we we during lockdown we've we've yeah physically and mentally dragged ourselves through it by rowing. Yeah. Every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, Saturday, we got on a rowing machine. Well, we're not Olympic rowers. But we start at 7am, normally finish at 8, uh, row, rest, row, rest, all sort of interval stuff, catch up on live, have a little coffee, away we go. So it's a sort of reset. Uh, and in, wow. in a time yes. when you were seeing no one, it was it was an amazing thing to do. And it's something that 
I tell all my mates because I would, for example, like this morning, I wouldn't have got out of bed at seven at six fifteen to train. I just wouldn't <laughs> have got out of bed. Uh, I'm living in a caravan at the moment because my house is being redone. So I'd have pressed the snooze, got up at half seven, quarter to eight, had a coffee, <laughs> and, and, and got on the Zoom calls. The reality is, if you find training buddies, then it saves you. If, if you know someone's on the other end of a Zoom at six fifty eight waiting for you, you get up and you do it, man. I mean, that's that's just how it is. Wise words, a fantastic lesson to kick things off. Now, listen, Will, I was brought up on rugby. I was out in Australia in 2003. So I followed your career very closely. And I have to say, so I was a fly half myself. Um, you were obviously a centre, but I understand the backs a bit more. You know, I never knew what yeah. was going on in the, in the front eight. But And I think if I what I admired most about you as a player was your eye for an opening, your positioning. So I think of two things in particular – Obviously, the Wales quarterfinal when England were trailing and it was all looking a bit doomsday. Then Billy the Wiz, Jason Robinson skipped through, beat about eight men and passed to you to just uh, go over in the corner. So, you know, right place, right time. And then the other, of course, absolute stroke of genius was positioning yourself so close to Johnny Wilkinson straight after that final whistle. Incorrect. 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 I I was looking for Tyndall, who I've told that it, Tindall actually never won a World Cup. He drew a World Cup because he went off and it was 14 all. <laughs> so he's only got a draw. Uh, and I was looking for Tindall and Johnny intercepted me. In terms of the Wales game uh, and you articulating how wonderful you thought I was as a player, <laughs> cowardice is an underrated virtue. So if you're the weediest, <laughs> if you're the weediest, slowest bloke on the pitch, you've got to find a different way to get from A to B. Well, I'll tell you what, you did that brilliantly. There were many, many tries I can think. I can remember the one you scored against Australia in the tour before as well. Anyway, and it's funny you say that actually about decision-making and all that kind of stuff, because we're going to touch on that. And there's some really nice lessons that you share on that in your book, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I thought your voice really comes through, although I know obviously you have your co-author. But but I want to start then. We've talked a little bit about 03. And you painted a very interesting picture of the vibe in the changing room after that famous triumph in Sydney. And you described it as being a bit of a strange atmosphere. Now, I've spoken to Johnny Wilkinson, Lewis Moody and Dave Allred, who all had that sense of actually almost a bit of disappointment or what now, that kind of sense of elation that one expects when one achieves something as grand as you guys did was not there. And it was interesting, I thought, you talking about that strange atmosphere. So what was that strange atmosphere and how did you feel in the changing rooms? Uh, so I think one of the things that drives you uh, and finds you in a starting jersey or in the squad in a World Cup final is a restless pursuit of better, is a restless pursuit of marginal improvement, uh, and a, a real inability sometimes to sit back and enjoy what you've just done before you're set off on the next adventure. And that's what drove us to become the best team in the world. That's drove us uh, and, allow, and allowed us to find a way to win on that Saturday evening in Australia. Um, I would be exaggerating if we were starting to think of our next project immediately 
But a couple of things came into play. One, actually winning that World Cup was pure relief. It's a very different thing, I would imagine, winning a World Cup. If you're the number one team in the world, you've gone to a year and a half unbeaten and everyone expects you to win. Or you're Greece winning the Euros from absolutely nowhere. Yeah. What is it, 10, 15, 16 years ago? That's that's just like, oh my God. This oh, is just in, it, yeah. yeah, this is just insane. What the heck's going on? So a whole host of things played on. We had learned a lot from Martin Johnson that whenever a nine out of ten, whenever a two out of ten, when people are blowing sunshine up our backsides, don't believe it. And when people telling us we're rubbish and we should throw the baby out with the bathwater again, don't believe it. And it ties into a fantastic ability to be able to marry your short-term goals, your long-term vision, uh, and staying on track and... Just focus on performance. Scoreboard. Let the scoreboard look after itself. Um, yeah. And is you it, sort of put all those pot things into into the pot. And, by the way, we had just played 100 minutes of rugby and we were absolutely <laughs> clattered. I mean, yeah, clattered. I'm sure. I, I'm sure. My body strapping, everything started to kick in straight away. Um, yeah. And it took about three or four hours before someone said, should we go out? And then it was like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's have it. And I, the thing is, I remember being in Sydney and the next morning, it did feel like there was this abyss because it was over. So I, even as a someone who enjoyed the experience watching it, I can I can relate to that. But I was listening to another interview with you and you say that you've changed a lot, let's say since 2013. And before yeah. that, you were the sort of person who were on the phone to your agent going, why have I not got the same amount of workers, whoever it may have been? Whereas now you're a lot more about, for example, I know it's Maidenhead, isn't it? Um, yeah, the Maidenhead. You do work with, the te- yeah, the teaching you do in terms of helping someone, the simple joy of a healthy family, for example, stuff like that. And so I, my question really is, I wonder... To what degree you would agree that, whereas now it's much more about we versus me. And I think that really comes through actually in your book. And and obviously things like you've been through some pretty, well, very heavy experiences. And for example, uh, with your middle child who's autistic, the grounding that comes from being a parent to her. So I'm just interested in, do you agree that over the last nine, 10 years, you have become less egoic and would you say that could be traced to winning the world cup a good research i think your conclusion's wrong i mean it's like the it's like the great riddle in a way you've you've timed it between what's got four legs in the morning two legs at lunchtime and three legs in the evening a human being you know born crawl stand up and then get wizened and old you need a walking stick uh, so it may be uh, i i would propose a hypothesis that actually most people would go through the journey and transition I've been through. Agreed. I've just been very fortunate enough to uh, operate in some incredible environments over the course of the last 20, 25 years, uh, which has given me a platform of learning that is ridiculous um, to be able to tap the minds and the wisdom and harvest the collective wisdom of, of so many extraordinary people from so many extraordinary backgrounds. And um, you put all that together, and I think you, I think you'd end up you'd be a real plonker if you haven't if you don't learn from those people, you don't learn from those experiences, um, and it's allowed me 
um, to become a better human being. But the, 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 fasc- the fascinating thing, it always goes back to the argument about, well, you know, you, you try and get Paul Scholes not to tackle or Wayne Rooney not to tackle, and they're a bit clumsy. But if you take that out of them, you, do you lose them a little bit as a player? Do you have to go through that? The reality is we'd all like to be kind from the age of 12. But no, well, we'd all like to be kind from year zero. But the reality is uh, we aren't in any way, shape or form or that it's, it's, it's the exception rather than the rule. And so I'm part of the classic rule that grows up, uh, feels invincible, uh, is quite good at a professional sport, uh, has to be remarkably selfish in terms of family and commitments to a dedication and a pursuit of being the best in your position in the world. Um, uh, and then come out of it the other side and begin to understand probably could have behaved better. Uh, I mean, there are examples like someone like Martin Johnson, for example, incredible emotional intelligence. Um, and, and maybe he'll say very, things, very different things, but um, you learn from your co-players and your leaders. Um, yeah, it's, I'm trying to get to a conclusion to a very good question that had a, uh, a fantastic hypothesis and just <laughs> I think you've answered it very well Will can I just yeah. jump in here because I do think it's the natural like I love that what is it uh four legs two legs three legs yeah and I it does it does strike me as the natural evolution that uh, that involves me to we and it just really has come through I think with my research um into you and so I do think you've summed it up, answered it very nicely. And then a question, a follow-up question would be that, say, with this book coming out, right, and you've got all sorts of things, and I wonder... I'm going to dive, so one last bit on that, because I'm going to Go dive on. in. And, um, because my wife has done so much research, what we do talk a lot about is neurodiversity. Uh, and I know this book is a sort of celebration of difference, but we live as a family with neurodiversity. And... Uh, you have to be kinder. You, mm-hmm. the, the, whatever you believe to be normal just isn't isn't normal. Um, mm. It's just it's just different. And um, mm. when you live, when you cohabit with that, um, we have found one of the blessings of having the most amazing daughter in the world is, I like to think, empathy kindness, contextualization of other people's situation before any sort of judgment. In fact, the phrase we're talking about at the moment is radical acceptance. And my mum and dad, who were both teachers, go, this may not be able to comprehend. What do you mean about it? You let kids do what you want. To a degree, yes. Uh, until they find their voice, until they find their self- feeling of self-worth. Um, and it's it's so difficult to grasp that concept unless you live with it. And when you live with it, actually, it's a remarkably easy concept to grasp. And so what we have to do is keep continue, continue to have these conversations, to talk to people, to change people's vocabulary uh, about a host of, about so many things. Um, because um, it's, you don't grow up. You don't. You aren't born racist. You aren't born a bully. You aren't born homophobic. Mm. It, it's the vocabulary and the and the the environment. I'm going to say society, the environment that you grow up in, that dictates your thought process and 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 the use of your language. 
And if we can help support and talk about it and keep your man and keep it in the planet, then hopefully no one will feel discriminated against. And by the way, this goes back to the fact that actually I never understood any of this. I was a simple kid from Blackburn. I had two school teacher parents. I did as I was told and I cracked on with things. So um, I, I genuinely feel my transition, which I, I was sort of avoiding answering a little bit, but actually I almost couldn't let the opportunity slide. The reason I think I've matured is actually from through family circumstances rather than necessarily through mm-hmm. my sporting circumstances or um, achievements. Yeah, I can completely understand that. And you talked about we're not born racist, homophobic, etc. I also think we're not born lacking self-worth. That's also something we learn. So, and this is something I find interesting about the, the self-help industry, for example. Actually, I think it's an unlearning and, you know, all these things that we do to inflate ourselves up, we want to get back to that more innocent state, uh, which is what you alluded to. But I, a yeah. question, I, a follow-up question I had was, just a quick one. And actually, I have to say, my favorite bits of the book relate to exactly what we're talking about. You talked about you talk about generosity, about kindness, about communication, about choice of language. These are my favorite, really the bits that stood out for me. And like I said, it really felt, I mean, even the last, the last paragraph of the whole book, which I think you talk about, be kind, and you don't know what's going on with anyone else, let go of judgments. So I think we're on to something a little bit. But just a very quick question, Will. I don't want to labour so the point. By the way, my, my author, my first, Ben, is a titan. I mean, an absolute titan about leaving people feeling better about themselves, about making people feel better, about leaving them. Every time he leaves people, he strives to leave them in a better place. Now, that doesn't mean... You ignore things. That means I, I actually call him Benny the Baptist because he's baptised me with feedback, unsolicited a lot of the time, since we first met at university almost 30 years ago to the day. So there is a really transparent nature to everything we discuss and everything we've worked on together. And he's, he's tracked my sporting and, and post professional career very closely and has never pulled a punch but there's always been with a context with a purpose behind it with a learning attached to what we are discussing and when you frame those discussions in that context um, then they are truly invaluable absolutely yeah honest tough conversations honest feedback like you say with context that's kind as well we can sometimes Mm. think of kind as just being fluffy but being honest is often kind but yeah the very short question since you stop for example chasing so much have you noticed that as much if not more or is it less things have come your way i just think uh, it goes back to so more comfortable in who I am, a, a greater understanding of, of what I'm good at, a very strong realisation. I mean, again, if I go back to Ben, for example, Ben is a CEO. Ben was born almost, That's that, again, I don't want lazy language. Ben worked so hard to become a CEO and is a fabulous CEO what he does. I'm very honest and transparent about this. I mean, I work for a super successful organisation at the moment, I've had a great 15, 20 years post, uh, post-professional rugby. And one of, the, one of the really great learnings or, or eureka moments, damascene moments, whatever you want to call it, I thought, I'm not a number one. 
it's okay to be a really good teammate. It's okay to be a really good follower. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to be uh, have that title attached to my name. I'm, yeah. I'm delighted to be part of a team that wants to be better. And if on occasion my voice is required, my leadership is required, my generosity is required, then then I'll dive in with both feet. But actually, um, I think one of the great mistakes is everyone feels the desire, I've got to be captain, I've got to be CEO, I've got to be the boss. Actually, realising that I'm very comfortable standing in the trenches and, and reporting in and, and, and getting on with things and um, was something that came to me probably at the age of about 40, so nearly 10 years ago. And it was so releasing. Gave yeah. me so much more freedom. That's, the ability to fantastic. say no to so many more things. Because before, yeah. I've got to do this, I've got to do that, because I've got to get there. Actually, no, I really, I really don't have to say yes to everything, because that's yeah. not my path. But it's really difficult yeah. for, for, for either in and out of professional sport. It, it's 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 really difficult finding that that uh, that that ability to put your head on the pillow at night and go, "I'm doing okay. This is this yeah yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Good enough is good enough." And mm. you mentioned generosity, and you mentioned like not being a leader. And there's a lovely story in the book about Geraint Thomas. How can I ask him that question? How can I best serve the team? But I would say probably my favourite story was the Rob Henderson lion story where you were due to start yeah. typically kaput for reasons outside of your control. Rob got the start, but at the end of the match, handed you the shirt in this lovely gesture saying that really it, it was yours because you would have started but for injury. And then you held on to that. But yeah, could you just pick it up there? Because I think this is such a lovely story yeah. about how kindness ripples out. Yeah, so the 2001 Lions Tour, a week before the first test, it's Wilkinson, myself, O'Driscoll in the midfield. I snap all my ankle ligaments, uh, a trampoline for five minutes. The docs keep me on the tour, desperately trying to get back and fit, get fit for third test, do it again a couple of days before the third test. So miss... Waltzing O'Driscoll, the uh, the Gabba, that extraordinary night, just one of the most cool Lions tours has ever been. And Rob Henderson dives in, takes a chance. Mike Cat had already been injured. Hendo's gone from sort of midweek team to sort of on the cusp to like he's he's the boss. He's there's the twelve jersey. You're starting. You're playing in that game. And he was a great roommate. I say great roommate. He loved cribbage. And I love cribbage, so he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd love cribbage for pizza, two of my favourites. So we got on like a house on fire. Yeah. In the th after the third test in Sydney, we sat down and he just sort of grabbed his test jersey and went, there you go. Um, should have been yours. Such such kind words at a time when they just lost a series. And mm. I didn't want it. To, I know Roy, Roy Keane's talked about the medal from 1999 because he didn't play in the final when they beat... Bayern Munich with Sheringham and Solskjaer um, in the new camp. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those ones, but you had to take it. I couldn't, you know, what an act, what an act of kindness. Yeah. And I can't go, dude, don't want that. Yeah, yeah, you have to take it. So it was done with the right intentions. But and I just thought to myself at the time, I'll take that home, I'll stick it away somewhere. And at some stage, 
the loop will be closed. And it was about 10 years after, I can't remember the exact date, um, he was doing a testimonial event, which you always invite, I hadn't actually got an invite to because I was supposed to be away and heard when it was on. So I literally heard when it was on that morning. Uh, so I jumped on a train with the shirt in a plastic bag, found the hotel. It's just by the, U the US embassy. I can't remember the name of the hotel around the corner. I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, found the MC, um, uh, Martin Bayfield, and said, look, he doesn't know me. I crept in through the toilets. When you get to the end of the auction, just say there's one more item. And so I went up on stage. He says there's one more item. It's a surprise item. Went up on stage and, and told the room about Rob Anderson's kindness and how I always felt there would be an opportunity for that to be recognised. And without sparing his blushes, I think it raised nearly five figures, that shirt. And mm. he went in and his wife was, you know, so grateful. And it was just that ability to understand that um, you don't have to be kind immediately. Just, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 articulated it exactly how you want you've it explained to. it brilliant i think you've explained it really well will mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You've explained it beautifully and I think, you know, what was a gesture on his part sort of laid dormant for 10 years and then came back absolutely in spades. I think yeah. it really illustrates the power of kindness brilliantly. And then one of your mantras, and I know you talk about mantras in the book, but one of your mantras is the grass isn't greener and don't look over the other fence. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. don't right. look over the garden fence. And all the other, the more modern one now is yeah. don't believe what's behind the squares. Right. Okay. Yeah, that is better. Social, but anyway, social media with the Instagram square. Sure. I understand. Yeah. I mean, crikey, how true is that? Right. And that's just from experience. I think we try to create this perfect picture of this perfect light. And actually, what I've loved about lockdown, if that's not a sort of contradiction, um, mm -hmm. is the vulnerability is. of letting people into your home. Of in the early days kids walking past saying dad what what's for dinner or 
you know, someone walking past with in their underpants. It's like I'm I'm t- I'm trying to mean what's going on actually like, and <laughs> and I'm I'm massive and, and and Ben and I are massive on sharing vulnerabilities early uh within a team. Uh, being very clear about your strengths, what you can bring to a side, and what you can bring to a side, what you can bring to a team, what you can bring to an organization without being arrogant. These are my super strengths. These are my strengths and then I'm absolutely best at this. But I'm gonna to have to lean on you. I'm going to have to ask of you. I need your support. Uh, mm-hmm. and the reason I need your support is X or Y um, to allow me to to be the best version of myself. And I think that honest, transparent vulnerability is something that is starting to seep into our society a lot more rather than this absolute alpha human being that was always viewed as the only way to succeed. Couldn't agree more. Um, another story that you recount, the twi- the Curry twins. Yeah. So Ben and Tom. And Ben, and this relates to your don't look over the other fence. Um, ben, who was due to start against the Barbarians, I think it was, for England, got injured. Tom got the nod and has since then kicked on. But Ben obviously doesn't begrudge him that. And I think... Uh, it, it come, almost comes back to what we were saying earlier about the natural progression of life of why isn't that me to being actually, and I've heard you talk about this, you can be happy for someone else. That comparison is what keeps, should we say, the ego alive. Yeah, the Ben Curry one was uh, such a pleasure to chat to the two lads, completely driven. Um, and through a, a stroke of Bad luck on Ben's part. His, his brother's got the jersey he was destined to wear, and now he's sort of, you know, the classic, g- classic out of my dead grasp. You take this hand. Unfortunately, it's it's the brother who's got the shirt, and uh, and Ben has had to sit and watch. But uh, such, uh, I, I don't overuse the word, but such an honesty to his words that you just go, what what an amazing background he must have and what an amazing upbringing he must have had and a support system to have been totally and utterly committed to having nothing utter, uh, nothing other than a deep pride and love for his brother, who um, you sort of would laugh and joke about if you tried to trip him up, if you tried to push him over, if you tried to injure him, if you, if you put some... Hmm an old egg in his in his six egg milkshake every day just to give him a bit of food poisoning just you know take him out of action for one day so you can you can have your moment uh now that that by the way we we often talk about just learn something new from every person you meet and one of the great abilities to write in a book or the great privileges to writing a book is the opportunity to interview some extraordinary people uh, and I think that was one of the great joys of this book. And, uh, you know, they didn't have to agree with us. They didn't have to validate our arguments. But they added another point of reference that allowed us to to rethink, to unlearn what we might have thought was the norm, what we might have thought was the only way to operate, uh, and then to tweak it and, and, and sort of make it our own 
that that was one of the great privileges. Oh, there's of loads of that. The- and one that really stuck out for me, Will, was around the power of language. And before I talk about the the, the managed by mantra, the the difference in, for example, keep your eyes up versus don't look down, and yeah. how that even related to your experience at Quinns. Again, to go slightly off off topic, I want to doff my cap to you as a pundit because I think a lot of former pundits, well, not a lot, some of certainly, I think, can get a bit too gleeful at sticking the boot in. But in terms of the kindness theme, you've got the mum test. I heard this and I was like, that is fantastic. And I think this should be mandatory for ex-pundits across sport. So could you just explain your mum test, please? Yeah. So my dad was England captain, chased out of Twickenham and England coach and sacked by England. And I was a duffer who kept hurting himself and then I have a bad game and being booted out and change clubs. And if you're the person in the middle, it's sort of, it's part of, it's part of the process. It comes with the territory. The people who haven't signed up for it, who aren't doing it, who have to read it, who have to listen to it, are the partners or or the siblings or the grandparents. Um, so it's sort of, I, I feel like I've got the mum test. I need to make, talk about vocabulary. I sort of need to change it to a relation test, but it's not quite as catchy. Uh, you know. And so my yeah, point yeah, being no, like is tests. my yeah. mum took everything. Oh my gosh. Because there were personal attacks, either verbal or written, on the people she loved most in the world, knowing that we might not have been any good, my dad and I, but we were trying, and we were doing our best, and we kept and we kept turning up. We were good turner uppers, me and dad. That's sort of what's the key to your success? Just <laughs> keep keep putting yourself on the start line. Hopefully, someone will give you a chance, and that's what we were super good at. Loyal. Uh, and and ready to, ready to dig in, um, and so having been through that and watched how it would make my mum ill, I mean physically sick. She didn't watch the World Cup final. She walked around the stadium. She just couldn't cope. When you see that, you realise that there might be different levels of that for other family members and for other players, but everyone's got people who are watching them play. Who love them. And then goes back to you can't ignore what's happening in front of you. But the mum test is simply this. If I'm going to talk about a player or a coach and I'm going to use strong words and I'm going to use recommendations about maybe whether they should or should not be in the team or why or the level of their performance, I think you have to be able to explain it to their mum or their dad, or their sister, or their brother, in the TV studio. You have to imagine, would I say this if they were sat next to me? And if I would say it, and I'm prepared to do my research and work unbelievably hard to know everything about that player or that coach and their style of play and their recent results and their recent form. So I know my background knowledge, I'd like to think, is right up there with anyone who does that job. Um, That's why I do that amount of background work, in order to be able to allow me to be critical, but constructively critical at all times. Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the mum test. I absolutely love it. I think it's, 
being honest, still telling what you believe to be honestly held and true, but in a respectful, kind manner so that it won't upset, like you say, the relations. And I think if others adopted that, I think sport media would be better. So I well, really no, do no, take, no. take my hat off to you. But following on that theme and to return to the book, so... I think we underestimate the power of language. And this is something Dave Allred spoke a lot about me. And I think you illustrate it really well in, for example, whether it be examples with Warren Gatlin and Eddie Jones, but those things like the difference between being told, keep your eyes up rather than don't look down. And yes. I know you've got this rather than don't let me down. So could you yeah. just talk a bit about the power of language and it's essentially saying the same thing in both of those cases, but the way you package it can have a hugely different impact. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of constant um, iterations. And just when you feel bored of saying it's probably just about to start hitting home. And the reality is, um, as a coach, as a teammate, we used to call them, you know, energy sappers. I think there's a character from Lord of the Rings, Lathspell or Wormtongue. Just constantly, oh, yeah, worse just, time, yeah. just <laughs> draining, and all the organisations have. And and again, it's just what what can we do today? How can we fix this? Uh, is it's such a simple way? And I think it's Razor Robertson, Scott Robertson, who talks about head up, uh, and um, you can catch it as opposed to don't drop it. I mean, like already, I'm terrified about dropping it. Already there's a negative in there and think, oh my God, don't drop it. And now I'm seizing up and my hands become like Edward Scissorhands and I try and puncture the ball as opposed to keep your, keep your eyes up, keep your eyes on the ball, hands to the target. Then I'm removing the result and I'm thinking about the process, which is what we talked about earlier. I'm thinking about my performance as opposed to worrying about the scoreboard or the drop or the, the implications of that. And we're all bright enough to know the implications of dropping it, of, of, of getting things wrong. But actually, if you are having your sails filled by people in and around you with the self-belief to do it. Uh, that team can then become way greater than some of its parts. And um, it's, it's, it's absolutely vital. And I, and I see it and it goes back to the sort of, without taking it back to neurodiversity, is the type of language you use in and around the neurodiverse. And actually asking, how would you, how would you like, what, what sort of language do you like? Speaking to people, checking in, really important. And without sort of, I know we're talking about England and on the back of the book, there's uh, England cricket, all blacks, great women's hockey, and we've got uh, Comcast and Sky and, and Unilever and some real players there. Um, actually, when I'm at Maidenhead, you know, often I'm good at energy on a rugby field. I love being on a rugby field, but you can't be like that all the time. You can't bring the energy all the time. So, and if I'm low sometimes or I'm coming back from an average day's work or it's all a bit quiet and I need something, just creating a safe space to check in and go, lads, I'm a four out of 10 today. I know exactly what I want you to do. I know exactly what the training session entails, but I'm going to have to lean on you uh, to go in and go, all right, Green's got it. We'll, we'll lift this. And then they feel empowered. So no, I can't do it every session, but it's that whole process of, of, uh, of our of communicating to people in and around you what gets the best out of you yeah, how you're yeah. feeling leaning on others when you need to lean on others and and but but doing it in a way that you'd hope that they're not um sort of uh, i'm trying to think of the right phrase but they're not telepathic 
people aren't telepathic. Tell people what's going on. You don't have to, you don't have to go into detail. That's not what this is about, but just say, help me out here, fellas. And you quote Lawrence Delalio saying best leaders are the best communicators. And a couple of things I thought to illustrate this. So on the one hand, the season that you got relegated club rugby with Quinns and you were, you call it uh, the work-ons, but others might say weaknesses, right? To keep it simple. Yeah. And you were really focused on the weaknesses. And as a result, they became more pronounced. And then on the flip side of that was Clive Woodward. So Clive Woodward coming in and saying, forget about dominating Europe. We want to win the World Cup. I don't know if that contrast is is the most easy, but again, that power of, of just what, you, what you're looking at and what you're focusing on and the communication that's coming Around. from that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose the headline of that, the reality is you can't win big if you're terrified of losing. And if, if the language is always about, oh, we can't do this and oh, we really need to work harder on that and you lose sight a little bit of, of focusing on the opposition, focusing on what they're doing, being very re- introspective about what you're getting wrong. And again, this isn't about everyone telling everyone the world's great and we're all wonderful. Uh, it's 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 about being honest and acknowledging those work ons, but not being paralysed by them, and actually saying we've and completely yeah. forgetting what you can do. I think you said there about being terrified of losing, and actually it comes back to what something we for me what we were talking about earlier around self worth, and I think a lot of athletes or people in any field of work, perhaps their self worth is bound up in what they do and so therefore a loss might mean a loss of or my value decreases which is an illusion and it brought to mind something that I really liked was after England beat New Zealand in the World Cup semi-final I think I'm right with this Sonny Bill Williams was totally happy and fine because he knew he'd given his all he knew that New Zealand had competed to the best of their ability but there's this perception that, oh, well, if you don't show you're hurting, then there's something wrong. But he's challenged that and thought, no, I've given my all. Yeah. This does not define me as a human being, my self-worth. Therefore, I'm okay to be honest about the fact that I'm okay at having lost. And I thought yeah. that was, I mean, so tying it all together with that terrified of losing bit. Yeah, no, exactly that. And I think... <laughs> We often talk, uh, sort of, without going back to the Martin Johnson change room, is it'll take a hell of a bit team to beat us today. But do you know what? You might walk in on any given day into a hell of a team. Uh, and, yeah. and that happens. And if you, if you can rest easy with that thought, the freedom it gives you, to be able to go and give of your best and play and again, ignore scoreboards and just try and be the best self, make the right calls at the right time. As Clive always you say, think correctly under pressure. If we're all competitive, we want to win every game. We're yeah, it's gut-wrenching to, to lose those games, but they're easy to live with and they're easy to get up and function and get up and go again and get up and, and try and improve. If you're just working on on being the best self, the best team you can be, um, and I, look, I, I totally agree with Sonny. It's just it probably came to me. He's very wise. Uh, 
it probably came to me right towards the back end of my career, although you might say it was the back end of his career as well. It, I would say the one thing about that is it's a lot easier to think that when you're at the back end and you maybe got a couple of medals in the draw. That's that's yeah, the challenge. And the great yeah, leaders yeah. allow teams to get into that mindset. Winning the big pot, it's often why it takes two finals to win. Uh uh, yeah. You look at you look at most sporting events. Very few debut winners of things, and it's 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 great leaders on and off the field that can create a mindset that is that's not saying it's okay to lose, but saying just make sure if we get beat, we get beat by a great team. Yeah, I spoke to Helen Glover recently, and you're absolutely right. And she's got a couple of gold medals in the locker, so perhaps a bit easier. Yeah. And she used to, before 2016, if she had had a bad morning on the river, she would give herself a hard time till the next day. But yeah. then once she'd had her child or her children and she had to go home and play at being alligators, she realized actually the whole way along, she had the ability to drop that. It's within our control whether or not we carry that with us. And I think what you said there about trying to be the best team, trying to be your best self, et cetera. But still, it doesn't mean you want to lose or anything like that. But you, the disappointment is actually up to you how long you take it forward, really. Yeah, Helen's Helen's awesome. She lives, it's a bit of a windy river in around Cookham and sort of Bur- uh, Burnham and Maidenhead way. But she lives she lives up the road with her three children, the awesome Stevie Backshall, Stevie B from Deadly Sixty, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're great friends. And Helen very kindly contribute, contributed to. She was another yeah, yeah. of the superstars that con- contributed to the book. And one of the things she talks about to pick up on Helen is again, she, she was never keen on showing vulnerability. She always thought it's got to be this veneer of invincibility. Mm-hmm. And actually, once her and her training partner began to be able to be vulnerable, they became winners. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm conscious of time, Will, and I could talk a lot longer to you, but I will just summarise it actually quite neatly, I think, with the end of your book where you do write, nobody leads a life without setbacks and loss. So don't judge and be kind. And it does sound like, well, I know for a fact that that's very much been a journey that you've been on. And like I said, I think those are the favourite bits for me out of many good bits in this book. So uh, I just want to say thank you. And just on that point, would you like to finish with some pearls of wisdom? Uh, yeah, look, I think very kind of you to say those, those kind words. Um, it's been a wonderful experience writing the book uh, with a great, great friend of mine. And we've always felt both Ben and I that um, the pursuit of better is everything. Every little day, just try and be one percent better. You know, doesn't need numbers. Um, then you then you started it, and uh, it's been a joy, and it's been a pleasure to talk about it today. And I wish I know that uh, people can reach out to me on all sorts of various Instagram and social media channels at Will Greenwood, and and keep baptizing me with feedback. Okay, and two very final, very quick points. You talk about that trying to be a little bit better every day completely agree with that i would add in though your radical acceptance i think that's another if you if you marry those two together then you really are onto a winner and it's been lovely talking to you you are uh, clearly full of a lot of wisdom and have been on a really fascinating journey yourself so just thank you very much indeed for your time it's been a real pleasure absolute pleasure thank you Simon. 
Thanks very much for listening to this episode with England World Cup winner Will Greenwood. What really stuck with me was what Will said about the course of our individual evolution and that image of going from four legs to two legs to three legs over the course of a lifetime and how we naturally tend to shift our focus from me to we as we age and get that little bit wiser. I'd love to hear what stood out for you. Do get in touch on social media at Simon Monday. And there's the website too, of course, for this week's Monday on a Monday newsletter, where I talk about the danger of holding on to grievances amongst other things. You can sign up at simonmundy.com. And I've had several people ask about getting access to copies of previous newsletters. This is something we are looking into, so I will try and let you know what the state of play is in a future episode. But that's it for now. Thanks for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.